So um, Esther, um, this, the story, the account of Esther is actually found in the book of Esther. And if you actually, the easiest way to do this is if you have your physical Bible, I know there's an easier way. If you have your digital Bible, you say scroll through and see Esther. But if you have your physical Bible, you, you just find the halfway point that's going to put you in Psalms. And then you flip back two books uh, to Job, and then you'll find Esther right there. The, the whole account of Esther's life is really summed up in five pages, which in my Bible anyways, depending on how big your print is, um, it's, it's a short little book, 10 chapters, and we, we have this really encouraging account of this, of this actually orphaned little girl named... Esther, which actually wasn't really her name. Her name was Hadassah um, before she was renamed uh, Esther. But, but let me just tell you a little bit about this. I, I'm going to do this kind of in reverse order. I'm kind of like um, going to give you all the life lessons on the front end. And then we're going to dig into a little bit of who she is and a little bit of the history on the back end. So if you're really tired today, which you shouldn't be, you've got an extra hour of sleep. Or unless you leveraged it to say, I'm going to stay up an hour later. Some of you have done that too. Or some of you who are here bright and early this morning because you forgot to uh, change your clocks. But, but if, you, if you can just want to like say, you know what, I want the, the cliff notes, stay awake for 10 minutes, and then you can sleep for the last 10 minutes. You will miss the good part on the last 10 minutes as well. But, but I'm going to kind of change it up a little bit. But I think I'm going to ask a few questions first for us to start thinking about this topic. About how God uses really ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And have you asked yourself, has, can I be used by God to do something significant? I think there's something inside of each one of us that we, um, we all have this longing to maybe do something of value or, or be of significance. Um, or maybe just saying, or maybe you don't. Maybe just saying, you know what, I'm just happy to be breathing and living and like I'm just getting through life, barely getting through life. But, but can I just evoke some vision for you and some thought to realize that each one of you, I know you feel ordinary, and I think you, many of you feel like there's nothing special about you, but I want to let you know that God has purposed you to be alive during this time. It's not an accident that you are alive at this time, and God is, is preparing and planning something to be worked in you, but through you for his kingdom. And so... So when you begin to ask, God, can you use me? I, I want you to start with that question. How do you want to use me? And then realize that if God can use a, a little orphan girl like Hadessa, he can use somebody like you. So if you don't know about the story of Queen Esther, um, she became a queen and is really a, a pretty predominant uh, figure in the Old Testament. But it's her remarkable journey of courage and divine intervention and uh, her life serves just as an example of just saying, what does it mean to begin to have courage in the face of challenges and to see God move mightily, but you have to come face to face and address your fears and, and rise up in courage. You know, this, this, this life of Queen Esther, I think it's also interesting because of, of last week's message and understanding the conflict that we have in the Middle East today amongst uh, the Jews and the Palestines. This is another story of, of how the Jews were actually being trying to be eradicated from the earth, and, and Esther steps in, and, and God really uses her life. But the first thing I want you to understand with, with um, so here we go, here's the life lessons. The first part is, 
is Esther had the courage to face adversity. So if you're taking notes, this is your first point, courage to face adversity. And, and I think I want each one of you to realize that do you have courage to face adversity in life? And not only in life, but then, then to come face to face with some circumstances that saying it's going to require you to have courage to, to fulfill the purposes that God has for your life. So Esther, a Jewish orphan, found herself in a really unfamiliar world. She became the queen of Persia. Um, her life took a dramatic turn when she became, well, really, she was one of many girls that were brought before King Xerxes um, the first, and she was lined up in a line of girls. She was really um, in this kind of king's beauty pageant, if you will, um, the king already put away his, uh, his former wife, Vashti, because she didn't really come when the king was asking her to come. And we don't really know what happens to her. She might have just been cast away. She might have been killed. The scripture doesn't really tell us what happened to Vashti. But, but here's the scene where the king is looking to replace his wife and he finds uh, Queen, well, this Esther girl, and, um, and here's the courage that she needs, though. She, she, as, after she becomes queen, she realized that there's a plot to kill Jews. And she has determined that she is going to come before the king. And remember now, because of the lesson of Vashti, if you don't come before the king, or if you come before the king unsummoned, your life is at risk. And here she chooses to face the fear of what might happen to her and she addresses the king, um, comes into his presence unasked uh, for, and she, she acts with courage, and as a result, her people are, are saved. So the lesson from that, though, is sometimes it's going to require you to come out of your comfort zone to come face-to-face -face with the things that God has purposed in your life. And I think in our world, something that I'm, I'm noticing in our world today is our resiliency is lacking. I'm not too sure why, but our ability to rise up to an occasion with courage seems to be lacking in our culture. And, and I'm not sure why that is, but I, but I feel like God is, is preparing us and calling us to a season that we're going to need to step into places that are going to require courage. And you're going to be required to have strength. And this is one of the other points that Esther, we're going to learn from her life about where does that strength come from? But, but to face that the adversity and to face the potential of even losing her life. And I'm not so sure if God's going to call you to lose your life, but, but are you willing to step into the place of courage? It's going to require courage to, to say yes to the things that God is calling you to do. I'm thinking of some things like maybe even just sharing your faith. Sometimes it's, it can feel very scary to share your faith. Maybe it is uh, with a coworker. Maybe with a classmate. Maybe it's maybe you're actually unsure yourself, and it's going to take courage for you to pursue your relationship with God, even though you don't feel confident in your relationship with God. But there is a, as a place that's standing right in front of you that, that this afternoon or tomorrow morning, you're going to then say, God, where are you putting me in places that is going to require courage? And you're going to then say, how do I step into that? Esther, the lesson from her life is courage in the face of adversity. The next point was, and again, I said I'm, I'm kind of reversing this. I'm kind of giving you all the meat on the front end. But the next point is the power of prayer and fasting. So before um, Esther approaches um, the king, and we'll get to the history of, of, 
of this plot to um, kill the Jews from this kind of evil ruler um, that was in Xerxes' um, cabinet council, if you will, Haman. Um, and he was the one who was trying to convince the king to eradicate the Jews. Well, three days before she was going to approach the king, she asked through her, her cousin who really um, raised her, Mordecai, to, to send out a, a notice to all the Jews to pray and fast, pray and fast. And the under, un, interesting thing about this is, is realizing that, that this call to pray and fast is really the indication of where she finds her strength and courage. And, and I want to encourage us that sometimes when we, the life lesson from this is, is I think we try to do it on our own strength, or maybe if we're lacking courage, we, we shy away from it, but maybe the preliminary thing that we need to be doing is actually spending more time in prayer and fasting. And if you've never tried fasting, I've, I wrote an article on, on fasting. You can look at one of our blogs um, and get how do you fast, what are the benefits of fasting. And, and you begin to start saying, I need to, I'm lacking courage or I'm lacking that, that oomph that I need that I'm going to spend time. And maybe it's also in our small groups or maybe it's going to gather some friends together and say, would you pray and fast with me? With me because I am facing this difficult situation. I'm going to need courage to walk through and I'm going to bring Jesus with me. And I've got to come and, and do this spiritual thing that God's called me to do, but I need the strength and the courage. And so we learn from Esther's life this idea, the importance of, of a community coming together, but the importance of, a, of starting on our knees before we move into places that are going to be challenging. Our own strength, I believe in the times we live today that, that we cannot rely on our own strength. We have to rely on the strength of the Holy Spirit that comes through a posture of prayer. And it's not just prayer. Fasting, and, and you'll go in the article, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but, but fasting does position ourselves that when we deny ourselves certain things and we put ourselves in a place of, of humility and submitting to God, um, we find that our spirit gets st stronger and that we have the courage that rises up to be able to walk into difficult places. Okay, lesson number two. First lesson, if you remember, courage in the face of adversity. The second lesson is the power of prayer and fasting. And then third, trusting in God's timing. I've learned anything from a person who's had wrong timing in life. <laughs> I always want to say, oh, I'm feeling this and therefore I jump on it and then realize that it only comes to backfire me that God has timing on things. And we need to understand God's timing. Esther's story illustrates God's timing, God's plan and, and, and unfolding this perfect plan that God had to save um, people that he loved, his Jewish people. And, and she needed to understand how to wait in time for the right time to capture her husband at this point in time, his heart, but he's also the king, right? This dynamic of, of intimacy because he's her husband, but he's also this political figure, the king. And how does she wait, wait for the right timing to approach him to say, basically, he doesn't know she's a Jewish woman. And to approach him and saying how to uncover this plot that Haman has to destroy the Jewish people. And for her to say, by the way, I'm a Jew. And, and so the, the lesson in this 
is realizing that God is working things. And we need to, I think prayer and fasting helps that. We need to discern the right time for things as well. That we can't just rush off of emotion and we can't just, uh, just because it's a fleeting thought, we go into it. Or just because, hey, I'm a Christian, I need to share my faith. Do you realize that sometimes sharing your faith in the wrong moment, it can be the wrong, it can be the wrong thing to do? <laughs> that we need to say, give us discernment, Lord, to be able to know when the right time is. Know when the right time is. And the re- reason is that God has times and places for things for us. And he's orchestrating things here and there. Like God is, is tangibly involved. I don't know what you think of God, but he's not just like a universal God and he set the world in motion and he's just letting things happen. There is strategic things that God is doing. There's, there's principalities and forces because of that that are, that are overseeing these things. And, and the Holy Spirit is working to try to bring God's purposes to earth. And he's looking for willing, ordinary people like you and I to say yes to him. To say yes to yielding to the Spirit of God, to say, I'm willing to, to be used to accomplish something that God is wanting to do. But it requires having courage in the face of adversity. It requires prayer and fasting, and then it requires a discernment to know God's timing. To say, when is the right time? When is the right time? So let's dig now back into, so this is, those are the main points. Now, I don't want you to sleep, but those are the main points. But here we go. Now, here's the interesting backstory of all of this. So, so Queen Esther, or as we know, uh, she, her name was Hadessa, and she was a l- little Jewish girl that was, um, during the time of the, ex, uh, the Babylonian exile, that was like 480 years before Jesus shows up on earth give you some timeline here, about 400. This time frame that is written in the book of Esther is about 10 years, um, 483 to 473. And um, during the, the um, exile, the Jewish people are in Babylon, then we have this, um, this little girl, her parents have died in this, um, in this time, she's orphaned, and she's raised by her older cousin, Mordecai, who became like a father figure to her. But her rise to, to becoming a queen, again, we, we talked about this a little bit, but here's that history. So here's a young orphan Jewish girl, right? She's probably not a very prominent person, an orphan nonetheless, raised by her cousin, Jewish, who is actually already, um, we know that there's, there's already conflict with the Jewish people. God orchestrated a way that Esther would then become the queen from this like beauty pageant that she was a part of, gets picked but yet realizes that being picked is it's an honor, but also has great risk to it. They already saw what happened to Vashti, the Xerxes' former wife. So she became queen. But then now we have this strange plot. We have this plot between um, Haman. Haman and Mordecai had this kind of conflict thing going on. And, and Haman, just like spiritual forces do in the world... And I would say, just like we see the, the, the long lineage of what's happening with the Jewish people, there's, there's amnity, there's like this, this hatred amongst them that we see from the, from the Holocaust to uh, beginning of time. Uh, we read here 400 years before Jesus, right? The Jews are being exiled again. And then you have this evil person, Haman, who says, I'm going to convince the king that on this particular moment in time, we're going to 
kill all the Jews in all of this region in Persia. It's interesting, he cast lots to determine. Haman cast lots, basically figuring out what date that they're going to eradicate all the Jews in one day. And they called that Purim. And actually today the Jews still celebrate Purim as a, as a remembrance of God's deliverance for them um, from this time. But he convinced the king to basically put out a decree that all the Jews would be executed. Men, women, children, um, everybody in this planned genocide. And here we have this wicked plot becomes thwarted by Mordecai hearing the plan, coming to Esther. And he says, Esther, can you convince your husband, the king, to, to avert this evil plot? And again, remember, um, at this point in time, Esther is not like she's, she gets to be with her king, her, her husband, every day. It's been probably a month before she leads up this time and she approaches the king. And the scepter, golden scepter goes down, which basically says, you can approach. And she has this plan to begin to unfold this and reveal this plot that Haman had and the interesting thing about the, the, um, the ending of this, she has these multiple banquets where, where um, everybody is, is invited to and she determines that she's going to reveal the plot. And the plot gets revealed and, and Haman gets uh, revealed and she then discloses that she's a Jewish, Jewish woman. And there's a new decree that, that goes out there that says, by the way, Jews, not only are you not going to be eradicated, but you can defend yourselves um, and prevent anybody from having harm put on you. And there's this decree that allows the Jewish people to defend themselves. And, and maybe that's very similar to what we're seeing today is, is the Jews are, are, have been given a land rightfully have been given a place that they can feel safe in. And, and when attacks come, they have this right to defend themselves. So, so this, this, this unfolding plot of how God uses an ordinary orphan woman to basically save the Jewish race. I love this scripture. There's a couple of key scriptures um, in, in this book of Esther that I just, I really appreciate and I want to uh, bring to our attention here. If I can find which one it was here. It's coming, it's coming. There it is, Esther 4, 14. Esther 4, 14. For if you keep silent, Mordecai says this, if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Right, you've heard this, for such a time as this, Esther, for such a time as this. And, and I wonder for each one of you, when you look at the places that God has placed you in your workplace, in your school, that, that maybe that God has purposed you to be there for such a time as this, that God is wanting to work through you, but it's going to require courage. And for you to find courage, you need to be praying and fasting. And then you need to come to this place of saying, God, what is your timing in this? What are you doing and what is your timing? And that, that God will give you the insight to realize that, that God is moving. Remember, his heart is that none should perish. So I would say that there's a few things that God has called you to, right? This is why we say reaching the lost, caring for the least, and training the found. Because these are all things that, 
uh, training the found is our great commission. Go make disciples, right? That reaching the lost is his heart for God's heart is that none should perish because people who don't know Jesus will spend an eternity in hell. People who know Jesus has this way of experiencing forgiveness of the sin, but life, eternal life. And then this caring for this least is realizing that, that our, our call is to serve humanity. Our call is to bring peace, shalom for people, which is this idea that, that people can experience not only peace with God, but they can experience peace in their life and that Jesus brings that peace. Jesus brings that peace. Another scripture I want to just read to you there that's, that's another really powerful scripture is in the very um, end, in, in chapter 10, Mordecai becomes really the second in command. He takes really over Haman's role, and King Xerxes puts him in a place of prominent power. And, and this is what he says, For Mordecai, the Jew, was second in rank to King Xerxes. That was his other name. That's his name. Xerxes is kind of like... King the first, so it's like Xerxes the first, Xerxes the second, Xerxes the third, but his, his formal name is Xerxes. And he was great among the Jews and popular with the multitude of his brothers. Why? Because for he sought the welfare of his people and spoke peace to all of his people. See, see, I wonder if we began to seek the welfare of our cities. I wonder if we sought the welfare of our workplaces, that we cared for people deeply, that you would acknowledge and see people where they're at in their life, that they're just not another human being passing by as you're just trying to live your own life, but you see people. And you see people in such a way that you sought the welfare of them. In other words, you, you cared enough for them that you wrote a little card and, and wrote a little, I, I see you and I want to encourage you, or you brought a meal to somebody, or you just had an act of kindness and that you work to bring peace into people's life. And I think in, a, in, the, in the world that we're living in today, more than ever, that we need to be people of peace. We need to be people who bring peace wherever we go, that we need to be people who, who restore peace. That's what reconciliation is, is, and redemption. It's really restoring peace between brokenness, peace between relationships and and maybe the courage that you need is you realize that you still have some broken relationships that that peace needs to be reestablished I had somebody um, reach out to me recently uh, when our church went through a time we were multi-site went to single site and our, our founding pastor left it was kind of a tumultuous time for our church and there was a lot of dispersing going on and and this person wrote me a card, though, and I called them uh, after I read the card, and there was just a really wonderful time that we got to share with each other of, of affection. But, but this person said, hey, you know what? You know, when, when we met, I didn't feel like you heard me, and, I, and you know, I, I've been holding a lot of bitterness against you for a lot of years. And I got to apologize and, and we got to just have a really wonderful time. But you know, the interesting thing is, is reconciliation brought peace. Incredible peace was brought to her. And, and I didn't know that my words had caused so much um, angst in this person, but I had a chance to restore peace because of a restored relationship that I got to share with them my, my sorrow for my part in that relationship. But you know, I could have easily just taken that card and just like, oh, okay, she just wanted to get that off her chest. But 
I stood up to that courage and that, that prompting and that timing and, and just said, you know what, I, I think having a conversation is probably needed and would be warranted. So I picked up the phone. It was a beautiful conversation. And it just made me realize how much God wants us to walk in those places of peace. That the world needs us to be in unity. The world needs us to be together. In our, and the world needs us to be looking out for each other's good and their welfare, like Mordecai. Another person in closing that I just wanted to share, um, who really exemplified this more of a modern story, but maybe you've heard the name Cory ten Boon. Cory ten Boon was uh, from the Netherlands. And during the World War II, when the, the Holocaust was beginning to take and the Nazis were trying to find all the Jews and not only imprison them, but taking them to gas chambers, I, I still can't believe that that even took place. It just boggles my mind. But Corey ten Boon had to face courage to know that, that her life was at danger by her housing she became a safe house for Jews who were looking to uh, move to safe places. And so she would house these Jews and hide them in her home. And eventually people told on her and she was arrested with her father. Her father died in prison. Her and her sister were arrested. She was in prison. Um, they eventually went up to a concentration camp uh, before there was a clerical error. And I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised if many people were praying and fasting because as, as Corrie ten Boone, who is a faithful Christian woman, I am sure that people were saying, we, we need to be praying for Corrie. She's in prison. We don't know if she's going to be going uh, to the concentration camp. What's going to happen to her? We know that her dad already passed and I'm sure people were praying and fasting, but she had to, in the right moment, the right time, begin to see God's hand at work, and in the right moment, the right time, God worked out a clerical error that set her free. She went on to go on to, to share over 60 countries the story of reconciliation, that she went and had to forgive the guards that mistreated her sister, that took advantage of her and her sister, that she forgave them. She was a, she was a, she was a person of reconciliation and a person of peace. She later moved to California and died in 1983, powerful testimony of a woman who had to come face to face with the fear of death to care for other people, care for the Jews. Interestingly enough, um, her legacy though, in that moment of, of what she had been able to do, she had rescued over 800 people, 800 Jews in that time. Her house was this transient safe house. And history would show that, 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 that she was born for that time, for such a time as this, Corey Tem Boone had to step up to courage, step up to the face of, of adversity and have courage to respond to what God was speaking into her heart. Now, we don't see a Holocaust happening in our nation, or are we? Is the enemy creating a Holocaust in people's lives? That he's, he's beginning to take and capture people's minds and souls. I, I've just recently heard of a, a failed marriage and, and my heart just breaks because I could just see the enemy's work in that failed marriage. And, 
And I just was like, oh, Lord, what would it take for that marriage to be reconciled? Right? There's, there's, there's a holocaust on the soul today where, where people are being deceived into destruction. And God is looking for us to step up with courage to be able to say there is hope through Jesus Christ. Step up in the face of adversity when a culture says this is right and this is the way we should go. We say, no, this is right because this is what's in God's word. And this is right. That we would have courage, but sometimes we're going to have to go on our knees with prayer and fasting and say, God, give me the strength to to endure this. Because I don't have the strength, but I know it's right. And I want to do what's right. And then we would just... Say, God, I'm available. I'm an ordinary person, but I'm available. Let me see the perfect time work out in my life. I'm available for you to do your work. So what's God speaking to your heart? You're an ordinary person that God wants to do something extraordinary through you. Would you be like Esther? Would you be like Corey Ten Boone and say yes? In the face of adversity... You're going to say, I need your courage and I'm going to step up to the yes. I'm going to make myself available by saying yes. Let us be people of prayer. By the way, we need each other. Let's pray for one another. Let's share our stories to each other. Like, I need you to pray for me because I'm going to be sharing my testimony to a friend that needs Jesus. Would you pray and that we would discern the right time and the right place? God, give me the courage. And I need courage because right now people are saying that this is right, but we know this is wrong. It's going to lead people into into destruction and, and hurt and harm. And God, give us the courage to step up and say, have our voice be heard to say it is wrong. That we seek the welfare of people in their spheres of influence. Father, we just are asking for open hearts, available hearts. Father, we would not be so distracted by the things of this world that we don't have the ability to see that you're wanting to use us, ordinary people. The God you have birthed us Allowed us to be alive in this time that you want to use people like you and I for such a time as this. Let us have courage. Let us be people of prayer. Let us discern your timing, Lord. Let us encourage one another. Let us be people who care for the welfare of each other into our communities, into our workplaces, into our schools. We make ourselves available for you, Lord. Ordinary people, if you want to do something extraordinary in my life, we want to say yes to you. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.